Welcome to today's episode of the Insurance Life and Everything in Between podcast. My name is Adam Bersan. And I'm Chris Smith. If you've yet to do so, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. And if you love this podcast, don't forget to share it with a friend or colleague. We greatly appreciate your help and support. Yo, we're back. It's been a busy few weeks. I went out and worked on two Fridays and I didn't turn into some type of creature from the deep. Those of you that are wondering, you can work on Friday. You'll survive. It'll be okay. And you'll feel better about your weekend after putting in a full week's work. I did get Nick on today for us to share a few thoughts about AEP and halfway through. Yeah. How's your AEP been? And I appreciate you being here with me today. Oh, thanks. Uh, it's been pretty good. I mean, I, I feel like uh, I feel like this has been a surprisingly normal. Like, I mean, I I feel like after the last two or three years, uh, AEP has been throwing a lot of curveballs at people, and this has not been one of those years where there's been a lot of crazy curveballs. I think um, things are looking pretty much like what they were expected to look like. The forty-eight hour rule is what it is, but it doesn't seem to be hampering anybody. So far, so far, so good. Things are sort of chugging along. How about you? How's things going with you? I am sitting at 76, I think. Nice. So far, goal is 100. I think we've got time to make it to 100. Yeah, you'll get there. I think 70-ish was about where I topped out at some of my other peak AEPs, but those were all like single carrier or only two carrier type AEPs. This is like not only two, but like all of them. Yeah. It's, It's a lot. So let me ask you then, because this because this is the first time you're going from being kind of like a, a one a one carrier guy to to doing more stuff. Um, like how's are you finding that that's making a difference? Being like truly truly a broker, um, is that is that doing stuff for you that you might not have been able to do otherwise? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so last year I had Humana United Healthcare didn't have Aetna because Aetna's a pain in the butt to get set up with. But they are. Gosh darn, the best freaking product once you have it. Yeah. Um. So I didn't have Aetna set up. I had my old friend Cigna in the bag. So I guess I was working with three carriers, mm-hmm. which is more than one. Yeah. This year, it's pretty much everything, even down to some of the crazy regional players, just because there is some value to them as well. Yeah, so absolutely. It has absolutely created additional opportunities I wouldn't have had before. Even if it's like those nuanced plan changes just to make Miss Betty your client ethical kind of plan changes yeah even if it's like those type of situations maybe it's just the increased knowledge the increased experience from the year prior but with the tools that we have available with like the sunfires and the medicare centers of the world i don't know why an agent couldn't at least go to bat with two or three top players in their market i i I don't know that everybody that especially new agents i don't know that new agents need to carry every single carrier um, that they have available to them in their bag but I think that's probably something that you want to work your way up to eventually. Every carrier has like the thing that they do. It's useful sometimes to be able to lean on that, that like, this is the thing that this carrier does type of a situation. And that's always really handy, especially some of these little regional players that seem like they're not worth picking up. Um, usually there's a reason why they're around, especially if they've been around for a long time. There's usually a good reason for that. And uh, they are they are worth playing around with. Uh, you know, the name of the game is really getting as many people to be your client as possible in AEP, right? You know, whatever whatever value you can show them so that they want you to be their agent. That's that's the goal. So sometimes that is looking at the little regional carriers that um, that 
maybe a little bit of a pain in the butt to contract with. Maybe you can't use Sunfire to do an enrollment with them. Maybe you gotta, you you know, you gotta go to their website. Oh no, <laughs> you know, go to the carrier's individual website um, and and look some stuff up. But it, sometimes that's valuable. Like the, the the those those things those things matter. And you know you you build your client base by doing that and being being unbiased and being able to give an accurate representation of the entire market that way. As you were but, saying, that's probably a stage two type of yeah. moment in your career. Yeah. Um, I have a guy, you've met him, we've talked about him generically, that this is his first year in Medicare. Mm -hmm. eight, eight to 10 years in the business, new to Medicare as of the conclusion of the KSKJ trip. I had him in the car, we went out and saw some clients. First AEP, and he's asking me, what is next year gonna look like? I said, next year probably includes a carrier not on Sunfire. Mm -hmm. Not yet, but right. next day. Stage two is those type of companies where the off-brand South Jersey, only see them in those market kind of companies, he'll be adding because he'll be ready for that stage two of his Medicare journey. Yeah, and, and it's definitely not. Like, like, I, like it's not the stuff that you want to pick up when you're getting started because there's so much other stuff that you need to try and figure out and you need to just kind of learn the major players in your area and learn what they do. And sometimes you're going to be walking away from business because of that, because there's nothing that you can do because, you know, the, your your major carrier in your area is United Healthcare and they don't do the one thing that this, that this client needs because they need this weird regional carrier. Well, you're not the agent for them yet if you're not at the place where you can handle that much information. The thing that you start to realize as you start to work with these carriers is the differences between the carriers seem larger than they really are. And you start to realize that everything falls into little categories and that the differences between those categories is not as big as it as it seems like at first glance. And most of the carriers are kind of doing the same thing. And there's really only one or two categories that where they really stand out and differentiate themselves. And it starts to become easier and easier to pick those things out. Um, but you want to add it on slowly. It, it, you know, and it's like final expense because I know there's a lot of final expense agents that watch this channel. Oh, yeah. So it is like final expense. You know, you start with final ex with like one final expense carrier. Mm -hmm. You pick up one final expense carrier that does a lot of stuff and covers many people and like 80% of everybody you can meet with will fit into their underwriting and will work with them price wise. And that's the only carrier that you need. And then you bring on another carrier to do some of the stuff that that first carrier doesn't do. And then you bring on another carrier to do some of the stuff that those first two carriers don't do. And pretty soon, you know how every carrier works like the back of your hand. It, it works really the same way with Medicare. It's just different things that you're looking at. It's, it's not harder. It's just different. Let me tell you a quick story because I think this is valuable. Nick, I had a sales situation yesterday night, six o'clock appointment, dead tired, had been running three days straight. And the lady says to me, well, I already just made a plan selection. In fact, I already just had another agent in my home last night. Mm. And she pulls out a plan book from Cigna. Great company, great product choice. But the last app in rule, I think, is valuable to talk about. And then I'll talk about that sales situation. If you want to explain the last app in rule. Sure. Yeah. So during AEP, only during AEP, you know, the, the last application submitted is the one that will become effective in January. So if if somebody submits an application at 11.59 p.m. on December 7th, that is the plan that becomes effective on January 1st. And that is the agent who gets the, the business. That is not true in any other situation for the entire rest of the year. Everything else, it's the first person who submits an app gets the business. 
let me tell you a crazy nuanced off topic version yeah. of that. There's the county that I live in that I work in occasionally, Cecil County, Maryland, has a whopping three plan options for Medicare right. Advantage. You've got a Humana plan that is tragically out of network for the hospital in, in Cecil County, a Alterwood plan, regional player, not on Sunfire, for example, and United Healthcare dual plan. If you put them in the Humana plan, that's the only Humana plan. And that's the only application they'll process. So the first app is the last app is the only app if you put them in that carrier. Weird, nuanced situation in rural yeah. Maryland, which I don't think you'll see very often. Yeah, that's crazy. Now, sales situation from last night. I'm sitting with a lady. She had just met with another agent, had selected a signal plan. But with the last app in, I didn't give up, walk out the door. I listened to what he showed her, what she liked about the plan what she didn't like about her previous plan and just kind of dug in a little bit deeper. And I showed her an improvement off of what she already picked with devoted. You know, she was really particular about the, the physical therapy copay. She was particular about the specialist copay, but then like the hundred dollar or so um, food card benefit really caught her attention because she wasn't Medicaid eligible. She wasn't pace pad. None of that stuff fit this situation. But that particular benefit really caught her attention. And that's as you were describing some of the nuanced differences between carriers that you can really lean on when it's necessary. Yeah. And I think that's the right way to do it. I think you should, as an agent, you should assume that all competing agents are, are uh, some variation on incompetent. Now, that's not fair in the regular world. But when you are getting to sit down with a client if they've talked to anybody else before, you should be going into that meeting with the assumption that the person that they spoke to did not know what they talk were talking about and that you are going to double check everything and give them a proper second opinion. And possibly maybe they knew what they were talking about and you're going to say, hey, listen, this person really did a good job. But nine times out of 10, you're going to be right um, and that they missed something. It's important to understand what matters to people when they're looking at these plans. Um, sometimes what matters to people is, like you said, the the uh, physical therapy copay. Um, sometimes what matters to people is things like uh, costs for MRIs and radi other radiological things. Um, sometimes what matters to them is, you know, are they going to get a give back? Are they going to get food? Are they going to be able to get, you know, other stuff? Your first job uh, when you're sitting with them is to figure out what those things that are important to them are. It's um, listening. Like yes. listening is so important and not selling the situation. Yeah. Like just sitting back, listening to what they're talking about. I heard Christian Brendel say, um, what about, I think I got this right, Christian. Well, tell me about what you wish your plan did more of or did better with. Like, yeah. I mean, most of the people are generally pretty satisfied with what they have because they don't know what else is out there. But what do they wish it did more of? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody who says, hey, my plan is great. Almost always, that's going to be a knee-jerk response. And if you mm -hmm. can get them to start talking about times they've used their plans, they will start talking about times where their plan really wasn't great. And those are things that you can help them fix because they may not always even know. Right. They may not they they don't know what they don't know. So you need to start asking questions about things that that might really concern them. Dental, um, you know, how how are you doing with, you know, your regular monthly bills? Are you coming up short? Are you really having tough times making ends meet? 
Um, you know, what's your health like? Do you, do, how do you use the doctor? You know, do you have a condition that means that you do have to go to get an MRI all the time? Do you need to use physical therapy all the time? How often do you go to the hospital? Like, do you go to the ER a lot? Like finding stuff out about them helps, you know, cause then, cause then you can point them in the right direction. I had another one yesterday that I think is valuable to those watching is the, and it's cross compatible to final expense or pretty much probably any sale sales situation. Not that we've sold pretty much anything else, but insurance, um, the call my kids smoke screen. Yeah, you sure. hear it sometimes. Well, I need to talk to my kids about it before I move forward. And that it's the easiest smoke screen in my experience to, to resolve because it's either completely true or fake. Right. And, and I'll add some subtext to that. I'll ask your opinion on it. I asked Adam this question and he agrees that most of the time his parents, most of the time, my dad don't, does not call me for typical business decisions. Occasionally he'll mention it and get my opinion later on, but they don't frequently call us because it's not true. The lady says to me, I need to talk to my son about it before we move forward. Last night, five o'clock appointment. Well, Geraldine, let's call your son. Let's get his vote of approval. I'll give him the short version of it, and we'll see if he's good with moving forward. And then guess what happened? She said, no, we don't really need to call my son. She actually did call her son. What? We got That's him crazy. on the phone. He was driving home. It seemed slightly irritated in the beginning, but I right. said, Don or whatever his name was, I'll be brief. I apologize for catching you at the worst time of the day. And 35 minutes later, with him on the phone, we went through the same thing I went through with them. You know what he said to his dad? What? Dad, this actually does make sense. I think this is a good idea, and you should move forward with it. Fantastic. That's that's amazing. My feeling is with the, like, I need to call my kids objection, that's the only way that you can handle it. Like, you can't tell them you're lying, right? <laughs> Like you can't say no, Geraldine. You're lying. This is not. You don't need to. You don't need to call your son. That's crazy. Like that. That's never going to work for you. I mean, even if it's true, that's never going to work for you. That's not going to work out. You know, the only thing you can do is say, okay, let's give them a call. And if they say no, they don't want to give them a call. Well, then that's something that you are doing wrong. Like the like, there is no way that they are going to be able to adequately explain the differences between the Medicare Advantage plan that they have and the one that they're offering to their child. They're not experts. Think about how difficult it was for you to learn how to explain that. They're never going to be able to get it. Like they don't have any time in this. They don't have any background in this. Um, it's not a thing that they're going to be able to translate to their child. If you're not the one that's ta- doing the talking, it's it's never going to work out. Easiest yeah. folks screen to uncover. If they say Absolutely. that, challenge them on it. Yeah. It's either going to be Just true or it's going to be false and you'll resolve it pretty quickly. Uh, Nick, another issue we're encountering during AEP this year that I'd be curious to get your perspective on Mm -hmm. is like the Medicaid clawback type situation. I don't think that's the exact correct word for Mm -hmm. it, but a lot of people are disenrolled from Medicaid, assumed to be disenrolled from Medicaid. Yes. They're showing up Medicaid eligible, but they're not really Medicaid eligible. It's really confusing. And I'd love to hear your insight on this whole Medicaid clawback situation during (sighs) AEP. So, so it should, um, it should resolve itself, honestly, fairly, fairly quickly. Um, the, the Medicaid freezes from COVID are pretty much all over. Um, they've all kind of ended and people have all been mostly notified that they don't have their Medicaid anymore. Um, the hard thing there is if they've had Medicaid for a long time, getting them to actually understand that now that you don't have Medicaid, nobody's paying for your co-pays anymore. Um, because it wasn't your plan that was paying for your co-pays. This is universally the hardest thing to get people to understand. Your plan was never paying your copays. 
you never had no copays because of your plan. You had no copays because you had Medicaid. Anybody who doesn't have Medicaid has some level of copay, always, universally. Or you pay a premium to make them go away. One of those two, right? Those should all be gone by January. Everybody who no longer should have Medicaid should be off Medicaid at that point. It's a changing world. Um, the levels of uh, qualification are are altering. On the plus side, like you're also getting stuff like low income subsidy qualification levels are going up. You know, you're going from 135 percent of uh, federal poverty line to 150 percent of the federal poverty line for low income sub subsidy poverty levels qualification levels rather. You have to deal with the reality of the situation as it is today. And if you know that somebody is not going to be eligible for a dual a dual plan in January, don't write them a dual plan. You're just going to be causing yourself trouble down the line. You know, and then that's the only thing you can do is just deal with the reality of the situation that's in front of you right now. Yeah, I think that's such an important life lesson, really. Like you can only deal with what you know right now. You can make a judgment decision based off of that. Yeah. But any number of 100 million different things can happen next month or next year or next quarter. You can only really work off of what's currently that situation in your life and your business and that sales presentation. Yeah. What else do I got here? Um, <laughs> saturation. That's an interesting yeah. point. I think when I was brand new to Medicare, I was encountering several times dual eligibles that were just in drug plans only. And those were the simplest, yeah. low-hanging fruit to write something for. But nowadays, especially maybe in the urban market, not as much in the rural areas, you're seeing a lot more saturation where they have something. What are your thoughts briefly on the saturation level we're starting to see in the business? It has not been a secret to anybody that um, you know 10,000 seniors are turning 65 every single day and have been for the last several years and will be for about another 10-ish or so years. Um, and that there is a that there are a lot of people who are going on to Medicare, and many of those people do not have adequate savings and um, are going to be getting extra subsidies and things like that. And the marketing to those people is tremendous because the whole world knows about this. This is not a secret. You know, this is not like some like closely guarded thing that only only Medicare insurance agents know about. Everybody knows about. If you spend any time watching daytime television, and like, I don't, but I'm in other people's houses who definitely do. If you drive around in any urban area at this time of year, you're seeing billboards for it. You're seeing billboards that are like, if you've got this card and this card, contact United Healthcare. You know, you're seeing commercials for it on literally every time I walk into somebody's house, their TV is on. I walk into like eight houses a day. Um, their TV is always on. Almost always, it's on. It's a commercial break because, as far as I can tell, TV is more commercials than it is TV anymore. And the commercials are almost one hundred percent. If it is before five p.m., they're almost one hundred percent back to back to back to back Medicare commercials. The information is getting to the seniors. I am starting to get uh, clients who have been my Medicare supplement clients since two thousand fifteen calling me up and saying, "Hey." maybe Medicare Advantage, like it sounds really good. And having to talk to them about that. Like they've, they've for, for years and years and years, they've had Medicare supplement policies and they're suddenly calling me and being like, hey, Medicare Advantage really sounds like the way. I had somebody this morning call me up and say, I'm going to need to get eye surgery. Um, and, and did you know that my supplement doesn't cover eye surgery? And I'm like, well, for the kind of eye surgery that you're getting, yeah, your supplement does cover eye surgery, Barbara. You're fine. You don't need to drop your supplement and get an Advantage plan 
just to get, you know, cataract surgery. All that being said, the market saturation is real. It is just a fact of life. You separate yourself from your competition by being knowledgeable, by being personable, by being a good listener who provides value to your client. If you go out there trying to catch the just the lowest of the low-hanging fruit, slinging policies, not developing a relationship with anybody, you're going to have a hard time keeping your your policies on the books. It's crazy. So, so this is a thing that I just found out. So I've been doing Medicare for a very long time. Part of the reason why I started doing Medicare is because Medicare, when I got started in like 2014, had a reputation for being extraordinarily sticky business. Like really, really, really sticky business. Like the people who got a Medicare plan from an agent kept that agent forever and it was impossible to pry them away from that agent. And with people who were considered dual eligible, it was a little bit easier to flip them and duals would flip a little bit more easily, but it was still like, mostly they were really grateful that they were getting all these extra dual benefits and they got really associated that with their agent. And so people's persistency for Medicare plans was like in the high 90s for ever. I think average persistency for Medicare right now is in the 60s. That's crazy. That's that's nuts. It is because most people are taking the get rich quick scheme approach to Medicare and they're going out and they're slinging policies. They're not really caring what policies they're putting people in. They're not really talking to people about the policies and what they want and what they don't want. And they're not developing that relationship. And so when somebody else does call them on the phone, they flip. More importantly, because you're not always going to be able to prevent them from flipping. But when they didn't get the new card, they don't think of you as their agent and then call you and be like, hey, I just got this new thing. Like, walk me through this. I had yesterday a client of mine who's been a client for uh, since 2015 call me up and say, hey, Nick, I just got off the phone with a guy and I think I signed up for a Medicare Advantage plan. And my wife was telling me that she thought it was a bad idea and I probably shouldn't talk to this guy, but I didn't listen to her. And now I'm thinking she was right. Can you take a look at see what I did and uh, see if you can help me out? And I was able to and I was and like we were able to get it unwound and it wasn't even that much work. It was like 20 minutes worth of work on my part. But I have the relationship with these guys. You know, I've, it's, it's a relationship business and, and I've developed that relationship with them over a number of years of working with them to the point where, yeah, he kind of got scammed by a telemarketer um, in scare quotes. You know, he got inappropriately replaced by a telemarketer, but he then turned around and called me. And that's what you want. That's the place that you want to be. You want to be at the place where when somebody makes a mistake because they're going to, that they turn around and call you and you are the person that they call to fix it. Um, yeah, I think so many agents online are, which is a small subsection of the actual agent population and the most vocal and oftentimes the most negative and I, you get the point. They're like, what do I do now? What complaint do I file? What what legislative body do I complain to? No. Bro, write him another plan. Like, yeah. fix it. Just fix it. Just stop complaining and fix the problem. You're, you're not going to be able to run for office, change CMS regulations, and ban phone sales, and get the agent fired and put in jail. No. Write him another plan. This isn't that complicated. And I'm not even sure that, I mean, like, I'm not even sure that the telemarketing agent that flipped him did anything wrong other Probably than... Not. Like not recognizing that my my client was going to leave a Medicare supplement policy, not recognizing that my client had a Medicare supplement policy mm -hmm. and had some health conditions, which meant that he was going to have 
huge out-of-pocket costs because he sees a lot of specialists like regularly um and like i don't know like a lot of agents would miss that yeah like i don't i'm not mad at the i'm not mad at anybody in this situation i'm happy that he that i had done my job well enough that when the change happened he said i need to give nick a call well said are you ready for today's hot take heck yeah all right i'll take it up before we get to the hot take if you're following us on some type of audio only platform that's like the spotify's and the apple podcasts of the world find a way to follow us there too because we're working hard to be able to put this information whatever method you want to consume it nick today's hot take private equity is going to change the face of the industry in ways it hasn't already in the next two to three years and many of these private equity deals are going to come to maturation in the next two to three years and the next two to three years because of private equity is going to be significantly different what do you think i don't know i don't have a crystal ball i don't think so i don't think it's going to change things that much i'm not in the next two to three years i think the change has happened there may be a, a regression back to the mean like it may if you're new to the medicare space you may see changes but those changes are just going back to the way things were i don't think we're going to see a lot of revolution going forward i think most of the shakeup has happened i don't think there's a lot of new money that's going to come into the space i could be wrong you know i don't have a crystal ball but I, I think I think barring a lot of new money coming into the space, I don't think there's going to be that much change um, other than, like I said, regression back to prior. And I think we're starting to see that. You know, we're starting to see CMS rolling stuff back to the way that it was prior to 2020. For good or for bad, it is. Fair enough. I think we're going to have some interesting videos over the course of the next few weeks and few months where we talk about um, soon to come. What happens with your career? What happens once yeah. you've achieved stability? Do you build a business? Do you sell your business? Do you build an office? Do you not? Do you yeah. hire a financial advisor to find your way out of the business so you don't become a final expense client? So <laughs> g- give us a real quick tease for those that have stayed on to the end, some exciting topics we have planned towards the next couple of weeks and months ahead. Well, I think you just covered all. I like I, I think that was as good a tease as anybody's gonna give. That was yeah. that was fantastic. I'm I am excited. And uh, and I know about it already. So let's let's I, I'm looking forward to talking about it. Stay tuned. We're going to get some interesting topics, maybe some interesting guests, maybe some interesting collaborations from other folks on mm-hmm. the channel. Maybe even you, if you want to get on or with us, talk about the business, talk about the everything in between. We'd be interested in auditioning some guests as well. Appreciate each of you watching today. Like, comment and subscribe. And again, thank Nick for joining us. Glad to be here. Talk to you soon. Alrighty. And this concludes another episode of the Insurance Life and Everything in Between podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend or colleague. And if you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please leave those too. Any input is greatly appreciated. Thank you.